securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Capital Advisory Group, Inc. is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. Neither Kestra IS nor Kestra AS provide legal or tax advice and are not certified public accounting firms. You work hard for your money. For the next hour, you're going to learn how to keep what's yours. Capital Advisory Group presents Keep What's Yours. Here are Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Hello and welcome to Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. I'm Josh Gilbert sitting here with Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. Hello, Jeff. Hi. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you, too, as well. We've got a lot of numbers that came out because... <laughs> Uh, what is this? Our, our first or maybe second show of July, but now we got the numbers. Yes, for June. For June, and we can talk about that inflation numbers looking pretty good. But let's dig in and and go behind the numbers. Plus some Social Security news and, and all that stuff. I heard you talking with Jennifer and Wendy through the week and uh, earlier in the week, and you had mentioned Social Security. So we'll yes. touch on that and yes. see what you said to them and and dig deeper into that as well. Plus, uh, did you take a loan from your 401k during the pandemic? A lot of people did. And if you're a grandparent and you want to leave money to your kids, what is the best way of doing that? We'll get into all that stuff. But first and foremost, news of the day. Top headlines were that inflation for the month of June was at 3%. 3%. So you go, great. Um, so the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates like crazy, um, probably one of the biggest rate hikes historically ever over the last 14 months. So in June of last year, 2022, our inflation number was 9.1%. That's year over year. That's, a, that's the change from June of 21. Um, today, we're at 3%. So it has dropped like a rock. But remember, these numbers are X, food, and oil. So these numbers are 3% inflation on everything but, but exactly. food so. <laughs> and oil. And as we say every week on this show, those are the only things that I actually buy. Every day. Every day. Or every other day. Well, food every day. Otherwise, you're hurting. But, uh, right. oil, you know, oil maybe every couple of days you're putting, you know, your gas in the car up, you know, so on and so forth. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But what is the target inflation rate? Target is two to two and a half is what the Fed wants. And we're at three. We're at three. So what they're saying is that it's working, and, and I, I agree with what they're saying. It is working overall. Um, but the Fed originally, and I guess that was in June, they held tight. They didn't raise rates at all. Now they came back, it was two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, came back and said, well, you know, with the data points that we see, employment, um, you know, CPI numbers, so on and so forth, it looks good economically, so the odds are they're going to raise rates two more times this year. So it'll be the fourth quarter of this year. They may go a quarter and a quarter, um, and that's kind of the, the uh, say the Vegas odds on it <laughs> are pretty good so far. Um, but again, if they do that, and then you go, okay, are they doing that from a true economic standpoint to make sure that this inflation gets into that target range of two or two and a half? Are here's the other thought pattern, 2024 is an election year. 
So the Fed, there's a, I say, an unwritten rule that says the Fed really should not mess with interest rates in an election year. They don't want to monkey around with yes. it and and be looked at as either yeah, that, favoring one candidate exactly. or one party. So if their hands played, they have to, and they usually come up with some very strong verbiage on why they did it. There's a Republican in the office, and they do something drastic. Yes. Then the Republicans are probably going to be mad <laughs> and possibly lose the election exactly you know and, so they and don't want to be seen as yeah as as trying to scale. push with with our political situation as it sits today um i don't think that they want to be viewed as hey they help push it one way or the other so that's the question is are they doing these two rate decrease or rate hikes in fourth quarter this year to basically set the stage for 24 so they can not put it on autopilot there's a bunch of stuff they do behind the scenes that we don't see, um, and most people, honestly, you probably your eyes would roll back and you'd fall asleep because it's so boring. Right. Um, but that's the stuff that's going on at the same time as raising rates. So, so if if they can't raise them next year, maybe they'll do something right at the end. Maybe right at the end of fourth quarter of twenty four. Once the election is done, we know who wins. And then maybe they decrease rates. Um, you know, that's that was the consensus. Originally, they said that they would raise them fourth quarter this year and then lower them the first quarter of next year. And you go, why? Um, if they just raised them, they're sure as heck not going to come back, you know, a month or 30 days later and then decrease them to try to kick the economy back into gear. So you raise interest rates to slow the economy down and you basically decrease interest rates to try and uh, you know, jumpstart it and get it going forward again. Is this really something you can bet on in Vegas? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, they literally they put odds out on what are the odds that the Federal Reserve raises rates a quarter point in September, uh, December, and the closer you get to it, it actually. I mean, they're running percentages um, on what are the odds that they really will. Yeah. So I think the last. I think time, you can bet on anything, honestly. <laughs> right. The last time I was there, it's mostly sports. Yes. But then they had these weird categories. That's that's yeah. Oscar nominations yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so inflation is at three percent, and the target is two to two and a half percent. Yes. Now, when you say the target, and that's every year. Yes, that's they, what. That's what they want. That's healthy. Yes, they know that two and two and a half percent will let our economy do what it needs to do without stunning it in a sense. Um, but again, the problem is, is in the 80s, they adjusted the inflation numbers. They took food and oil out of the equation and then ran with it. And it, it the, the reason they do it is not to deceive us, but it's to actually smooth out the numbers, inflation numbers. So it's not up 10 percent one month and down eight the next. Because gasoline is crazy it's nuts it, it the, the wind can blow too hard in the gulf and they raise prices by two bucks you know yeah. um and and that's I mean, again it's supply demand and there are some reasons why they do that um but again at the end of the day food i mean you, you've got oil to transport to get it from you know point a to point b um that's part of it you've got you know the the shrinkflation scenario um, you know, your Oreos aren't, there's not as many in the package as what it used yeah, to be, the but the price went up. Is, is more like <laughs> one and a half stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a bunch of factors in there that are way out of our pay grade to fix. But, um, again, that is one of the main issues that's out there is you go to the grocery store and it's twice what you were paying, um, you know, last year or even two years ago. And, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm a little jaded. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jeff, yeah. you know me. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, but when I see that inflation numbers are at 3%, things are looking good, whatever the Fed has been doing, raising rates, it seems to have been working somewhat. Yeah. But every time I go to the grocery store, the prices are still skyrocketing. Skyrocketing. They're not coming down. They're not. And they probably won't, honestly. Um, I can't see corporations going, oh, hey, we're going to be nice. We're going to lower our prices, make it look good. If they do, they're going to take some other, you know, take something like package size or whatever comes off the table. So that's why I say it's it's. I don't know what the answer to this is over time, um, or is it we just get accustomed to paying that higher Pay price more. for food, and yeah. that's all there Pay is more to for it. Doritos, yeah. But you know, there doesn't really seem to be a supply chain issue anymore. No, we're, that was we're coming out of yeah. That's what they blamed it on in the past was hey, supply chain issues. You know, so we have to raise our prices to offset. Now, if you were a uh, international shipper, yeah, I, I agree hundred percent with that. To get a, I think a cargo, uh, you know, the cargo container to the states, uh, one point in time was like four grand a container. In one point in time through COVID, it skyrocketed to like fifty thousand dollars. And then if you cancel your position on the the ships, you can't get it back. Um, so that was part of. But today we're way past that. We're um, past that. Yeah. So uh, I am thinking. That the the corporations, the package consumer package product people, have said, well, the consumer yeah. seems we raise the prices and they don't seem to be exactly balking yeah. at it. It's that, so that pain point where you get to a price level and you say, I'm not paying it, and you walk away. Let's raise them again yep. <laughs> and see what they do. Yeah, and you know, when it comes to toilet paper and the soft stuff, not that cheapo <laughs> stuff that you had in high school. I'm I'm look, Jeff. I'm gonna shell out a little extra for sure. the creature comforts all day of the soft to- toilet paper. Uh, they're gonna say, "Well, Josh in St. Louis doesn't have a problem paying inflated pricing for the exactly. toilet paper, so let's let's bump it up bump again. Bump it up again. See what he does, yeah. and you'll pay it." Um, so as I say, there's a price po- or a pain point in the pricing, the way that they do that, and you know that they have teams of people that are they're sitting and doing that daily, trying to figure out, "Hey, you know, could we get a couple extra cents here or a couple extra cents there?" Um, and we, I have named that, and I don't know if I've done this properly, uh, greedflation. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't come up with the term, but I'm no. using it in this instance. But it's true. It's true. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the corporations uh, that have products in our grocery stores yes. are saying, well, they didn't have a problem paying it, so let's well, keep the prices where they are or even raise them even more. Exactly. So look at it on a bigger scale. And the bigger scale is when the Fed originally started raising rates, they were trying to calm or cool the economy down. The problem is, is corporate profits still skyrocketed through the roof. And hypothetically, if you go back and look at the late 70s, early 80s, when they raised interest rates to a certain threshold, it literally slowed down corporate profits. In today's environment, they've not made a dent in it. So when they, when they come out and they say, hey, um, here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to squeeze the consumer so hard that they will quit spending and then that'll bring down corporate profits. That's a scary concept that they're putting out there, mm-hmm. um, because again, they're looking at it as corporate corporate profits, unemployment levels are their two gauges that they're using as they go forward. There's a whole bunch of other tools that they use, but those are the main gauges that the general public can see. Inflation so, is at three percent for the month of June, but as far as food prices go, we're looking oh, more like 14, fourteen to eighteen. Um, there was a yeah. chart that just came out, Wall Street Journal, um, that literally showed like each 
it was like your food chart, you know, (laughs) breads and dairy and so on. And it showed what their increases, they were double digit straight across the board on everything. And again, the things that we actually buy every single day, food and oil, not part of that 3% inflation number. So for whatever reason, but we've talked about it before, um, I was reading a story last week on the Heidi show and um, the the cost of, of goods yes. finally hitting consumers. They interviewed this woman who said that she stopped buying shaving cream. Yeah. And she's just using soap now to kind of lather up. I thought you were say she quit shaving. Huh? She's, she's <laughs> done shaving. She's not shaving anymore. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty clean shaven, Jeff. You look uh, like I, you got maybe yeah. a 5 o'clock shadow. Yeah, I got a 5 o'clock. But we're still using shaving cream. Yeah. If they keep raising the prices, though, you know, this is a dangerous line that they're it walking is. to. It is because people will shut down that pri- that pain point. They'll say, nope, I'm not doing it. And it may be, I've never paid attention to what, you know, the cost of shaving cream is, but maybe if I really paid attention to it, I'd say, I'm not paying a dollar more for it. I refuse to. Right. Um, And then I go, you know, different route. So I could get away with a five o'clock shadow every day. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't, I don't think I've used a bar soap as lather in a long Um, time. Only when I was traveling one time and then I realized that the meeting I was going to the next morning that I had to like, you know, I couldn't stumble in in a hoodie and blue jeans. And I did it. Yeah. And I did it with soap and it, uh, it worked, but it wasn't fun. (laughs) Jeff, why are you bleeding so badly? Yeah. Totally paper all over my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where we're at right now. As far as inflation goes, 3% from the month of June down from 9.1% this time last year. We are almost in that uh, sweet spot of what the Fed actually wants us to be, two to yes. two and a half. So, again, that's where they everybody keeps saying, is it a soft landing? Is it a hard landing? Um, I'm still I'm still in the middle. Um, I, I can't say it's going to be a soft landing. Can't say it's going to be a hard landing either. Uh, six months ago, I'd say it was going to be a train wreck when this all kind of came together. It looks like it's a little bit cleaner, but you got to realize what the Fed is doing. Um, they're threading a needle. Um, with the economy, and that's that's hard. I mean, that's super hard. So, you think Amazon Prime Day is going to have a, a an effect on July numbers? It might. Yeah. It really might. Um, yeah. It's big enough now that it it really pulls some clout. Um, one of the other numbers that's out there too is UPS United Parcel Service. There's a threat of a strike, um, and you go, okay. Um, they had a which I thought was odd. I guess that was uh, last week one day. They had a uh, strike test. So they actually uh, petitioned. They got their signs out, and the, they were out walking the picket line, but they weren't on strike yet. But they were just tested it, which I thought was odd. Let's see so, how many people will honk. Yeah. <laughs> here. It was pretty funny because I was like, wait, you're testing the picket line. You kind of know what to do. I mean, but maybe it was kind of like a preempt to kind of – scare ups yeah. executives that go oh they're serious we're so ramping up the exactly. strike we're, we're but, making our signs but that could be if they do go on strike and it's a prolonged strike it could be an issue but yeah. here's the competition so you got to realize fedex quit working with amazon uh, a year ago they just dropped their contract oh boy so amazon though if you look around your neighborhood you see amazon you see the semis running down the highway you see the little trucks running through your neighborhood They've kind of create their, created their own little distribution channel. Um, so they're in direct competition with UPS and FedEx and the Postal Service. What, is, um, what does Amazon do? 
anymore. Uh, uh, you know, they're really distribution. Um, right. So I mean, that's they really used what to they are. Sell books. Yeah, they started with they books. They sold um, books. Yeah, and now they're they sell everything. Um, yeah. And I think there was a report I read, and I can't remember how what the number was, but they said like I think it was sixty or seventy percent of everything sold through Amazon was from small business. Hmm. And so definition of small business is twenty five million in revenue or less a year. So. Okay. Uh, well, facilitating small business, that's what Amazon is doing these days, at least uh, from from those yeah. numbers. They they do a lot of stuff, though. Well, they there's, do a lot. There's a lot um, more that goes into it, you know. Um, what, Jeff Be- does Jeff Bezos own the Washington Post or does Amazon? I think he does personally. personally. I think he bought it personally to keep it segregated. So if uh, Washington Post gets sued for what probably happens every day, that doesn't affect Amazon's Amazon, bottom line. Right. So they they silo them out in a sense, just so if you know something goes terribly wrong with the paper, they, it doesn't roll back on Amazon. I'm sure he used his his Amazon stock to, to sure. make that purchase, but that's the benefit of the yeah. LLC. <laughs> and the the we've got uh, something to talk about later in the show: the Corporate Transparency Act. If you have a small business, if you have an LLC, this is going to affect you in 2024. But let's go to commercial break and come back. I want to talk about Social Security when we do that. But inflation at 3%, getting closer to that 2.5%. Yes. That the Fed really wants to see. However, we all know that when we go to the gas pump and the grocery store, those numbers are actually much, much higher. They're just not included. Yeah, just kind of set to the side. Set to the side. So we're not out of the woods yet, but uh, it does look like some of the things that the Fed is doing is making it a little bit better. We'll be back on Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. If you want to talk to Jeff and have him look over your stuff, what Jeff does is he talks about the economy with us on the show, but he also takes a look at your taxes and takes a look at what you've got coming in, what you've got going out. Can you uh, save a little money here? Exactly. Put a little money away there. And Jeff can help you create a plan, 636-394-5524, how to keep more of your money in your bank account, on your paychecks, and less going out to the federal government. Because with that money, Jeff, you can invest it. Sure you can. In your future. You can take me to lunch. Um. Well, there's that too. <laughs> there's that too. Uh, but you helped us keep uh, about 1500 bucks from just our son's uh, daycare alone. Yes. Schooling. So that's that's a pretty nice lunch. Exactly. Jeff. It's a very nice lunch. He's going to be ordering the bone-in filet. That's right, with lobster on the side. That's right. <laughs> Senior tax strategist and wealth advisor with Capital Advisory Group, Capital Advisory, grp.com, 636-394-5524. That's Jeff Zufall. I'm Josh Gilbert. Keep what's yours. We'll be back right after this. Keep what's yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Back on the show, Jeff Zufall here with me, 636-394-5524. I'm Josh Gilbert. That is Jeff's phone number. Give him a call now and leave a message and uh, say, hey, I want to come in, Jeff, and see you. I want to keep more of what's mine. I have a uh, story here, Jeff, that more than half of the 608 employees that were surveyed they are not familiar with the lifestyle benefits that their companies offer them. Yes. As employees of a company, your you know HR department has something probably worked out mm-hmm. behind the scenes of benefits that you could be taking advantage of. And I, I, it says more than half. I would say 
More than 75%. Probably more than 75. Um, seriously, we see people that um, they come in and, and you don't know what you don't know. I mean, it's that simple. Um, so people come in, they're like, hey, look, I paid too much in taxes. We start looking and we're like, well, you work for a Fortune 100 company. What options are out there? What, do you, what, what can your employer do for you? Um, and most people look at us with a blank stare and they're like, I don't know. Mm. Um, so that's where you need to dig in and, 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 and look at what they actually offer. And it may take a phone call to HR. Um, I mean, one of the big things if you're, uh, if, and I say again, a Fortune 100 company, deferred compensation. Now, it has, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, it is exactly what it means is you're just deferring your income to a later date. But you always have to remember, if you ever quit or get terminated, that money's going to show up that next year. <laughs> One big lump sum. One big lump sum. So some of these things, I say, will help you because you would defer money to a 401k. I was going to say, what is the benefit of deferring your pay? You know, I get paid uh, $100,000 a year. I don't. But we're just going to say a nice round number. More what like, happens if I defer twenty grand of that? Exactly. It just sits out there. You don't pay, so you'd only pay on eighty thousand that year. If you made a hundred, you'd only pay on eighty. It would sit out there. You can invest it, do whatever you want to do, and then you originally, when you put the money into it, you would pick, "Hey, I want this at when I turn sixty-two, or ten years down the road, or some combination of that." But if you terminate service for whatever reason early, then this money's just going to be dumped in your lap. So we saw a couple people last year that didn't want it, but. A hundred grand showed up, and on top of their income, and it makes a really nasty situation. But it's awesome from a deferral standpoint. Maybe a hundred, but maybe what if you're at three fifty a year, um, and you want to put fifty grand away and not pay tax on it? It's a great thing. So you, you can uh, probably even play uh, tax bracket bingo. Yes, or you have to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what we would use it for: is to keep you in the lower tax bracket. Um, you'd use your 401k contributions. And it's still working for you out there. Exactly. But it's not yours yet. It's just deferred. It's sitting off in a segregated account all by itself doing its thing. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's something that a lot of companies have. Nobody even realizes that it's out there. And that's in addition to a traditional 401k. Yes, yeah. Hmm. Um, And then there's what's called the super Roth, which is another thing that hides out there um, where you can do more than what, you know, the, the, the contributions are. Um, standard contra- contributions, um, they have like for years, uh, you know, the child benefits, um, you know. So there's a ton of stuff that some of these employers have, but nobody nobody understands the verbiage, so they don't reach out and say, well, hey, what are my options? But we'll be more than happy to help people with it. Um, you know, it's just a matter of putting, getting on a conference call, talking to your HR department, saying, hey, what's out there? What, what else can we do? And we can work with you. And exactly. Get you get a like a three way call going. Get yeah. you in touch with our yeah. HR department. We can sit passively. Exactly. You, you know, just on say, speakerphone. "Hey, talk to these guys." Um, you know, and then we'll talk with them and figure out what's out there. And we kind of the HR department, and us, kind of talk the same lingo, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I don't speak that lingo. Yeah, and most people are like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Um, yeah. And then figure out, hey, there's stuff out there. You could use it to your advantage or maybe use a piece of it. But, again, at the end of the day, that's that's the concept is is a plan. And in addition to some of the money things that you can do as far as your 401K, deferred, mm-hmm. um, 
salary or the Roth, super Roth, whatever, uh, this mentions most of the annual lifestyle benefits that people don't know about are elder care. Yes. Daycare, pet care, adoption assistance. Yes. These are things that companies <laughs> offer you. I circled one on their daycare. Yes. That's what my wife is doing with her exactly. company for our son, and we are yep. able to keep more money in our pockets. In your pocket. Because it's just something that the company offers. You mentioned it to us one time. Yeah. And now we're implementing it yes. into our uh, paychecks and everything. And that's the thing. Even if you know that these things exist, how do I – how do exactly. We kick it off. Yeah. How do I get it going? Yeah. How do we? You you start and go. Hey, how would this work for me? Who do I talk to? And you go from there. And just people just don't understand some of the benefits that are out there. Yeah. So, so that's something out there. If you work uh, for a, a big company and you think, but there's probably some benefits. Out. Even smaller companies. Probably smaller have. companies would have them. Um, yeah. I mean, super small companies won't have much at all. Um, but. Again, there may be something, you know, your HR department's probably the owner. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah. So inquire within and find out. And if you want Jeff to help you yeah. talk to your HR department about it, give him a call, 636-394-5524 over at Capital Advisory Group. Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, I heard you talking to Jennifer and Wendy about this earlier in the week. And is it taxed? Is it not taxed? That's... That's the question, question of the day. That's the question <laughs> of the day is your Social Security taxed and how much and and how can you get away with that out it being, um, you know, manhandled exactly by the um, government. So the the concept on this is uh, depending upon where your income is coming from, and this is kind of what we do for people is we build these income scenarios to show them, hey, if you retire at uh, sixty five, um, you'll get X from Social Security. But the the kicker is first off is it's full re, what what your full retirement age is okay, um, and and what you're looking for is depending upon the year that you were born, they will come out and give you a number uh, could be anywhere between sixty five to sixty six and six months to sixty seven, um, or even hitting almost seventy. Um, not to hint around, but that's probably what your number is. Well, thank you. <laughs> that yeah. says that's your full retirement age. So probably what, more like 75 <laughs> for me. 76, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the concept on that is when they say full retirement age, that means that you could take your Social Security and then you're not going to be penalized for making more money. So the first, in the, if you, so if you take your Social Security at, say, age 62 and you take it early, what Social Security is saying is we will penalize you if you go back to work. So if you go back to work and it's self-employment or W-2 income and you make more than $18,800, for every $2 over that amount, we'll take a dollar of your Social Security back. Mm. And it's delayed. So when you, let's say in January, you go at 60 or 62, January, you fire up your Social Security and then you file your tax return in February of the next year. That gets reported to the Social Security Administration, and they go, hey, you made more money than what we thought. And then they take away your Social Security for the next 12 months until your income comes back down. So that's the first thing is Social Security planning is, is I don't want to say technical, but there are a bunch of little moving parts to it that you got to be careful for. Is If I turn Social Security on 
and I start collecting, and then I realize, well, I can't really make ends meet, or you know, say I'm like one of these big CEOs at a company, and, mm-hmm. and they call me back in. Who's uh, over at Disney? Yeah. Bob Iger. Yep. Yeah, he he's, left. He's back on like, for round two. <laughs> we need you back. Yeah. Um, if I go back to work, can I turn Social Security back off? No. You used to be able to where you would file and suspend, but they did away with that. Okay. So, so you could you pay. you got to be real careful. Yeah. You could pay back what you earned that first year or first year and a half if you decide to go and, and turn – if you want to really turn it off. The problem is is your benefits will be suspended at what that number was originally. So it used to be you'd file and suspend, and then you'd still would do a calculation going forward. But we see executives, they say, I'm out, I'm done, I've X'd my last uh, day off of the calendar, um, I'm out. <clears throat> and then they retire for 30 days, and then they get the offer that they can't refuse, where they come back and say, all right, you can be a consultant for us and make twice what we were paying you. Um, if that happens, the problem is is you're pretty much going to blow your Social Security up. Unless you're full retirement age. If you're full retirement age, then you're good to go. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You can make a million dollars. They can't take it away from you. But if you're not full retirement age, that's where you got to be careful on your income stream going forward. What is full retirement age? It depends on what year you were born. So mine, I think I'm sitting, I was born 67. Um, I think I am at uh, 68 in six months, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my day that I could walk. And I can take my Social Security and any income I want, I will pay tax on it. So that's where the tax comes in. Depending upon your income threshold, either 50% of your Social Security is taxable or 85% of your Social Security is taxable. So, um, and we'll just use the example, if you're single, I think it's over 25,000 of income, your Social Security is taxed at 50%. If it's, uh, don't quote me on this number, I think it's 40 something, 48 thousand of income, then 85% of your social security is taxable income to you. So not that, not that it's an 85% tax. If they, if social security pays you a thousand dollars, then $850 of that shows up in the taxable column. And, and you, then whatever your tax rate tax is, rate is 20, on that. 25%. Exactly. Exactly. So, you're so not being taxed eighty five percent. Exactly. A lot you're of people taking eight hundred fifty dollars yeah. <laughs> yeah. of your thousand. Just eight fifty of it is is a taxable income to you, and it's added with the rest of the income. So, what we see is that's, and that's federal. That's federal side. State taxes it also. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's on a reduced rate because states, if, well, no more than four point eight as we sit today. Um, so we use five percent as a rule of thumb for the state. Um, and you go with it. So the issue is, remember we've talked in the past on the tax time bomb. So let's say that you retire at 65. Everything's great. You get Medicare at 65. That's like the, you know, the, the, the magical number. At 65, you go from you know, some version of health care that typically you probably pay for. Um, and you pay 107. It starts at 171 bucks or 172 bucks a month for Medicare. Um, then depending upon, that's another thing that you got to worry about, depending upon your income, you could pay more for Medicare premiums if your income is higher. So if you're successful and you have a good retirement or a pension, you're going to pay a higher premium for Medicare. Is Medicare something that you turn on or does that yeah. just get No, no, you got to, uh, three months prior to your 65th birthday, you're supposed to reach out to Medicare and say, hey, I'm here, um, sign me up. If you're still working, um, literally you will go on a Medicare version of health care through your employer. 
um, but you can't really tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you could actually, in open, if it works for you in open enrollment, you drop your employer's coverage and you just go right to Medicare. Mm. Uh, and it's cheaper. Um, that's that's why I say it's the holy grail of healthcare, because you may go from if you're if you're paying yourself if you're self-employed, you're paying a grand a month, um, maybe twelve hundred a month, and you drop to one hundred seventy-one bucks or one hundred seventy-two bucks oh, with a couple of couple of supplements. Believe yeah. me. So that's the jumping-off point to say, all right, I can retire now, or I'll give it a year or two to see what takes place. So let's get the big whiteboard out, and <laughs> i got to ask you this because we, we're bringing it up. We're talking about it, Social Security, Medicare, and the mm-hmm. idea is, at least for me personally, I pay Social Security, I pay Medicare. Mm-hmm. And my thought is, just like my 401K, is they take that. It's kind of forced. Oh, well, it's know, forced. <laughs> it's, it's forced, but it's forced retirement. It's yes. forced uh, elder care. They take that and they hold on to it and they invest it and it grows. And then when I turn Pathetically, yeah. 65 or 70, I can take it back. And it, it's it's my forced retirement because the government doesn't want me living on the streets. Because exactly. They have to they have to take care of me sure. at that point. So might as well take care of myself. Let's force them to pay <laughs> into Social Security. But not to call it a pyramid scheme. But it is. But it seems like they're taking the money that I put in and using it to pay for the know, bridge to nowhere. My, and, well, my yeah. parents, you know, well, they, they, they're they're collecting. They've used Medicare. it in a couple of different things. It was uh, our elected officials, uh, Kitty. Um, if they needed money, they grabbed it and put an IOU in there and said, "Hey, we'll get back with you in a couple well, of years." They're using it for projects. Oh yeah, they've used oh, it for all great. kinds of stuff. Oh, just but, great. But again, so the original concept when it started was, hey, there's uh, 12 people working. There's three people retired. The dollars that those 12 people working are paying into the system is more than enough to cover the three people retired. Um, It's going to do a flip-flop here shortly where it's going to be either equal, where there's going to be 12 people working and 12 people retired. Um, We're we're getting older. Getting older. Uh, Baby boomers. Or it goes to the point where there's... There's eight people working, and there's 12 people retired, oh, and then that's when the whole system kind of blows up. Right Now, the, and I say some foreign governments um, have a sovereign fund, which is kind of like their Social Security, but it's worth billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. That's in, what the, the Saudis are using yeah, to buy up the PGA. Live golf. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, to they, pay uh, Ronaldo to play yeah, soccer. To play soccer, yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the big picture where we never did that. Um, if it, and there's been talks of, well, I want my Social Security money to go in an account. I can invest it myself. Um, can't get it, but you can invest it and control it. And the feds don't like that because yeah. they don't have access to that kitty. So, again, you go, at what point in time is it going to go belly up? Um, again, if you ever look at a Social Security statement where they send you the statement, first page, go about just a little bit past middle of the page in bold printing. It's two sentences, and it basically says, based upon today's uh, collection of dollars coming in, we can sustain the numbers that we're quoting to you until 2028 or 2031, whatever the number is. So what it's saying is, hey, if it stays status quo, we're going to be able to pay you 80% of what is quoted today. So they are admitting. No, they've already. Now that that gets kicked down the road a little bit in a sense. It depends upon who's working, um, what the windfalls are. 
Uh, you got to realize the cost of living increase going into 2023 was like seven and a half or eight and a half percent this year because of inflation last year. Um, that's all built into it as you go forward. They're saying that because uh, we've robbed Social Security, uh, we being the yes. federal government, whoever was in office at yeah. the time, you know, point your all fingers. All of them are guilty. <laughs> yeah, at all of them. Um, because we robbed Social Security and because the boomers are starting to outnumber the actual people that yes. are working, um, we're only going to be able to give you 80% of what we, yes. we promised. Okay. So if you look at All that, right. and that's on the sheet, that it's on the sheet. Because, because I must have <laughs> most, read past that. Most people will scan right past it, and it's only. I mean, so when we do that, and actually, like we collect the data, or somebody drops that data off, they're building a plan. I'll highlight it upside down and backwards, and say, "Look at this." Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are like, "Whoa!" Um, and and again, that that is a moving target. Miss um, Janet Yellen is the one that gets to put the calculations together to tell us, you know, kind of when it's going to blow up and when it's not. But you can see where some years they push it out, um, you know, add a year to it, add two years to it. But again, it depends. So if a lot of people, like after COVID, a lot of people retire, you have more people retired than paying into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the unions have ran into that with their pensions where it was based upon a number from 1975. They did a calculation and went, hey, great, we're good to go. Well, the population has shifted dramatically. And then you have some of the unions saying, hey, we can't pay you what we promised. Um, you know, we'll give you half, you know, call it a day, go from there. So it's 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 that's part of that planning process. You have to take that in consideration. And I'm not good with numbers, Jeff, but I know that uh, just eyeballing it, if there's more people retired, than there are working, that's that's a that's a bad equation. Oh, it doesn't take long to blow up, believe yeah. me. I mean, because again, we don't have the reserves that they should have had back in the day. That thing should be a couple hundred trillion dollars of cash sitting there. But they there. kept taking money but they out kept to pay stealing for it. Yeah, I say stealing project it. Project and yeah. I, it, I would say stealing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and they throw IOUs in there, and then they're like, wait, wait, you know, where'd that money go? But those politicians are long gone. They're long gone, and they're, they're not on Social Security. They're well, on a government Chuck pension. Chuck still there. <laughs> Some of them are still there. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I would say stealing as well. But, yes. Um, that's kind of where we're sitting right now, which means, to me, it mean, it makes it all that much more important that I to do plan it correctly. Yes. Figure something out for oh, my, no, because I can't rely. You do not want to be dependent upon Social Security, yeah. believe me. Um, I because, rely on that. Because, again, the threat is every time they talked about a government shutdown, um, guess what's first thing to get cut? Social Security. Social Security. Um, and you go, wait, that's you know, that's where they get into that, oh, it's an entitlement program. No, I paid into it my entire life. That's my money. So, But the, the politicians reference it as, oh, it's an entitlement program, you know, and you're like, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. But And if you added up what you paid in, which would be kind of tough to do, it's probably a stunning amount. I mean, you pay – in Social Security, you pay 6.2% of what you make into it. Your employer matches 6.2%, and that's sent off to Social Security on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Well, scary thought, but that just means that it's that much more important for me yes. to start uh, getting my, my own house in order. Yes. i got to take care of myself first and my exactly. family, and I can't rely on the government doing it for me. So let me give Jeff a call, 636 636- Three nine four five five two four. How can I keep more of my money from going to the government? Because they've already clearly 
uh, established that they'll just throw it away. Pretty much. <laughs> on whatever project or earmark that they want. So let me keep it more in my paycheck yeah. and put it in my own 401k. Exactly. My own Roth to help myself. And, you know, sometimes it's it, – you know, I don't mind paying taxes. I really don't. There's, there's good taxes and then there's an extreme where you pay too much. Sometimes um, I need to be a bit more selfish though. Yes. Because yes. it's my future, yeah. you know. When I only got one spin around this, that's you know, right. <laughs> this thing, so I need to make sure that when I, I get to a certain age, that uh, you know, I'm able to kick back and, and really retire like I want to. So exactly, Jeff can help you do that. Six three six three nine four five five two four. Not to mention the college bills that will come in. Oh yeah, at some point, or you know, it does cost a lot of money to raise a child. It does. He's two and a half, and I already feel like I'm in the Yay. hole $100,000. Oh, you probably are. I think it's – there was a report. I don't remember what it said, but it was something like $1.1 million is what it takes oh, to raise a kid. To 18. To get him to 18. Yeah, um, you know, when he turns 18, I'm going to hand him a bill. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck on that one. Yeah. Uh, so give Jeff a call. He can help you with all that stuff, preparing for the future, 636-394-5524. And when we come back – I do want to talk about this. You mentioned this, Jeff. Grandparent. If you yes. want to leave money to your, your grandkids as beneficiaries, there's a smarter way of doing that. And these are just the little things that Jeff always comes up with that we just either don't know about or don't know how to implement yeah, it's into our financial half situation. Half and half. Yeah. So we'll be back right after this. Let's keep what's yours with Jeff Zufall. Keep what's yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Back on the show, just a little bit of time left. Harry Barkowitz passed away, Jeff. Who was he? He was the father of the modern portfolio theory. Um, so pretty much everything that you read in today's environment on asset allocation to economic theory, he produced and, and wrote. So um, the guy got a Nobel Prize in economics um, in 1999, um, but he actually passed away. He's 95 years old uh, into June. So... He's pretty much everything that we read, everything that we implement. He was the creator of it, if you want to call it, or co-creator of it as time went on. And when did he come up with this? Like when was oh, in our the modern? 50s. In the fifties, oh, really? yeah. So that's part of economic theory that, like the the federal government uses going forward, as part of what he came up with. And I, I maybe I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm no economist or historian, but I feel like the the boom time after World War II. Oh yeah, the post war boom. People actually had disposable income. Lots of it. And then what can what more can I do? I already paid off my mortgage. Exactly. I, you know the car's paid off. I bought my groceries. What can I do with this extra money? Yeah. Um, but again, what's buried in there is inflation. Right. And inflation after the war was ten times worse than what it is today. Really? It's just people didn't realize it. They didn't see it. Um, and then it was a, it was under control pretty quick. Um, and that's why, again, the Fed thinks that they raise rates, it fixes it. Um, it's a little bit more complex, a little bit more global economy, or I should say a lot more global economy than it was back These in the days, day. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody come home from the war, they got the GI Bill, everybody's oh, yeah. spending money. Yep. That caused going, inflation. Going crazy, yeah. That's so, just like today. Same thing. Um, right. Throw a bunch of money out there for COVID. Um and yes, people do stuff and buy stuff, but then inflation comes the right behind The reasons and the fixes are different. Oh, yeah. But yeah. if everybody's spending money. It's going to kick it up. There's just, there's, I mean, that's basic economy, yep, uh, economics. and yep. demand. Exactly. And then you mentioned this. If you're a grandparent, 
Think yes. about a Roth conversion. How does that work? So this is kind of a concept. So back, tax law changed um, a couple of years ago. It used to be where if you deemed, if you wanted to leave money to, say, a, grand, a grandchild um, and you're a grandparent, and you wanted to leave money, you were able to do what's called a beneficial IRA. And so you could take part of your IRA, give it to your grandkids. They could literally sit on it until their retirement. And you pretty much gave them a jump start on life, and then you have time value of money. So if they're 25, they've got an IRA, runs till they're retired. It's great. What is the stretch IRA, right? So it's, yeah, it's a stretch or a beneficial IRA. The problem is, is when the Fed back, I guess that was a year ago, decided to increase our required, distri- required minimum distribution age, um, one of the trade-offs was we'll give you an extra year until you have to take your RMD, but we're going to take away beneficial IRAs. So now the rule states is if a, if a beneficiary inherits an IRA, they have 10 years from the date of death to liquidate it and pay tax on it. So when you sock money away pre-tax, there is the, the required minimum distribution, the RMD. Yes. The government says, look, you cannot hang on to this money without paying taxes on it. We need this money, so at one point they're calling us out and saying, you got to start taking this up because we need to exactly. tax you on it because yeah. the government is out of money. Just look at yes. the the our debt. National debt's crazy. If you left that, the pre-whatever, if you left that to a grandchild, then the government's saying, what? now we got to wait even longer. Not necessarily because taxed on this. They, they have a 10-year window. So let's but say, I mean- now, yeah, exactly. Right. Now, it's if it shows up, they have 10 years from date of death to liquidate that account and pay tax. Because when they liquidate the account, then the government can come in their taxes. and start collecting exactly. taxes on it. So let's just say it's a million dollars that you leave to your grandkids. They don't like pre-tax money just sitting yeah. out there. <laughs> exactly. So the concept is this, is if you are going to leave money to your grandchildren, start converting to a Roth IRA. You pay the tax on it. Don't get me wrong. There's no free lunch by no means. But you pay the tax on it when your grandchild inherits that IRA. It's tax-free money to them. They don't, they're not forced to do anything. They don't have to do a required minimum distribution. They don't have to do anything. Because the benefit to the Roth is you pay the taxes up front. Up front. And then whatever accrues exactly. in there is yours. Is yours. So there is the rule of five years or 59 and a half for earnings. Mm-hmm. But when it's inherited, it doesn't matter. It comes in tax-free. The whole account. And the grandkid can take that. Could literally turn around. That's the bad side. Could turn around the next day. Go buy a Harley. (laughs) But you would be a little bit more strategic in it. You wouldn't leave it, you know, know, hope you don't leave it to an 18-year-old. But say your grandkids are 30, 35, and they need to buy a house. They could use part of that money for the down payment, and it's tax-free to them. Um, So, and I hate to be simple about it, but if you paid the taxes on the money— the government will leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And so you, you convert to a Roth. You pay the taxes up front. Yes. And then the government doesn't really care. Could care less. Could care less. Taxes are paid. And so that's a, a way to leave money to the grandkids on a tax-free basis. And you can stretch that out as long as you as want. As long as you want. Because it's your money at yes. that point. And the, then when your, the, your partner at the government, is they, already, were, they got their money. They wrong. got their money. They were kicked out of the partnership. <laughs> I love it. So just another planning technique as you go forward versus leaving them an IRA. IRA is fully taxable. Grandkids got to figure out. I mean, most of them, we if, say it's a million bucks, you do 100000 a year in principal over 10 years. 
and earnings each year, and then that way in the 10th year you liquidate it and reduce the taxes. But still, they're paying tax over 10 years on a million bucks. I mean, that's a lot of money going to the government. It's a bunch of money going to government. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're the recipient of that, you're like, hey, cool, I'm still net ahead. So, but there's a, a simpler way to get it there. Absolutely. 636 394 5524. Call Jeff and say, how do I start doing Roth conversions and getting my money uh, into a, an account that my grandkids have a little bit more control over and no partner yes. in the federal <laughs> government? He can do that for you for that and for just about everything else in your life. Show them your, you know, your, your paycheck stubs and your taxes from the last couple of years. And Jeff can take a look and say, here, we, there's a couple things we can do over here, a couple things exactly. we can do over there. There's no magic bullet. There's no... Um, you know, here we're going to do one thing and, yeah. <laughs> and save you $5,000, but it all adds up. So get started, 636-394-5524. Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. Keep what's yours. We'll talk to you next week. You betcha. See you then. You've been listening to Keep What's Yours with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Manager at Capital Advisory Group. To learn more, call 636-394-5524 or visit capitaladvisorygrp.com.